life has a funny way of straightening you out when you need the guidance or when you're just doing too damn much. Doors will open, some will shut, signs will exist. The unexplainable will push you, it'll push you into belief, but it's a choose your own adventure. There is no right or wrong necessarily. Only choices exist. Choices you need to live with or live by. It's what makes you, you. Equally, hindsight is a word that exists only to prove that you learned something. If you've ever said hindsight's 2020, then you learned a lesson. And in my experience, it's usually not a good one. But either way, embrace your life, embrace your decisions the good ones, and the bad, because it's what makes you, you. And if you have hindsight, it means you live to tell the tale. Appreciate those choices. My name is Jason Farias, and this is my Madness Method. Let's see. Where did I last leave you? Oh, yes. I'm, I'm getting evicted from my apartment uh, for complaints in my name, but the name on the lease is never on these complaints. I'm too loud. I'm maybe too involved in questionable activities and just an all-around good guy. I've adopted a teenager with the piece of my heart that was not yet poisoned. Maybe not too successful at raising a teenager in the condition that I'm in, but I'm giving it a go. And I'm not paying close enough attention to the people that I'm keeping near my side at this point. Does that sum it up? I got to find a new place to live. I got a kid. Uh, and I don't have any real friends. Eh, that tracks. So let's get into it. If this were a roller coaster... We would be on the downside of the initial incline, okay? No matter what you feel or think about the rest of the ride, you're never going to be up as high as you just were. And I really could have used a crystal ball or a peek into the future. It may have done me really well. But now we not only have to get out of this apartment, but I got to find a new place to be. I've got to find somewhere, not only for myself and Cindy, but now this this child that I've adopted and put into school somewhere and figure out my life here. My life isn't normal. It's not anything where I have a provable income, but yet now I have to find a new place to live. The option of just running around the streets or hanging out at my parents or at somebody's house, it's it's not an option anymore, right? There's three of us now. And that's okay. So Cindy and I put on our big kid pants and we went out and started looking for a new place. Interestingly enough, we started looking around in, in Manteca. We had burned the bridge of the person that put this apartment in their name. They're sure as hell not going to do that again. And it's not like I had plentiful options of people that were willing to do that for me. I mean, there was plenty of people that said they would, but I mean, come on, they were doing the same thing I'm doing. They can't. So now I got to find this on my own. 
So we went from apartment complex to apartment complex, and I wound up pretty lucky. One day, I, I ran into somebody, one of the girls that ran the office, the rental office of one of the apartments there in Manteca on Northgate, kind of by the old abandoned, now Kmart, that just sits empty. Ran into this girl, Corinne. Now, little backstory on Corinne. When I first met this girl, she was hanging out with this girl, Kelly. Okay, now, Kelly, if you guys remember... My buddy Bub from earlier stories. My buddy Bub dated this girl for a while. And Corinne lived across the street from Kelly. And they were friends. Okay, Corinne was kind of the cheerleader type. Sort of had everything going for her. She was the spoiled kid. And so to find her running a leasing office at a little apartment complex in Manteca, California. Seemed odd and out of place. So clearly some decisions on her part didn't pan out. The first time I met this girl, Kelly had brought her to a party I was having. Now, we were much younger at this time. I had a party at my parents' house. It wasn't a big party. My parents were out of town. They were off on vacation or whatever. And as kids do, you have your friends over, and we're getting into the bottles, and radio's going, we're having a good time, and everybody's having some fun. My favorite drink at this time was Tangeray. Okay, Tangeray is a gin, is in the green bottles. And we're mixing it with fucking orange juice and Kool-Aid and you know, whatever. We were giving it all a shot and kind of paying no attention. It wasn't the only thing we were drinking, but it was the only thing some of us were drinking. And as the night wore on, we noticed Corinne had been in the bathroom for a while. We are like, hey, Kelly, you, you need to go check on your friend. So Kelly goes, gets her to open the door, and Corinne pops out butt naked okay head to toe everything came off socks everything this girl's butt now i'm so drunk and and we we kind of let her take her lap you know around the house completely ass naked we get kelly to go take this girl man go put your girl's clothes on it was a little while after that where i was like you know what i, I don't even have a buzz what the what the fuck's going on and so bub and i take a sip out of the tangeray bottle and it's fucking water Okay, my parents, before they left, moved all the alcohol into something else and had filled it up with water. So this girl got pissed drunk off of Kool-Aid and water or orange juice and water. But I don't know, placebo effect or I don't know, cheerleader habits. I, I don't really know. But whatever it was, convinced this girl that she was shit faced and running around my house naked. That was the first time I met this girl. We had hung out after that but but naturally we just parted ways right bub and kelly broke up you know and life on it went so here i i kind of snicker when i run into this girl and it was interesting because when we walked into the office and she recognized who i was i don't know if she remembered that time but the look that came over her face was maybe of a bit of embarrassment <laughs> rightfully so Anyway, I knew that I could probably leverage this at least to establish that, hey, we're cool. We had a relationship. We were friends. You know, we, we had a good time, so on. Man, I decided to take a huge leap and just be straight up. Hey, man, this is the situation I'm in. This is what I do. I can't prove any income, but I got all this money. So naturally, she bit and she let us move in. 
which was great timing because the apartment complex up in Stockton didn't just want us out. They wanted us the fuck out. Okay. I didn't get a 30 day notice on my door. I got a evict immediately. So I pulled Eric from school. I rounded up all the shit out of my apartment and we headed over to Manteca. And now I'm back kind of in the thick of it here. That safe space, that that decompression area that I had found living up in Stockton was gone. You know, Manteca's where all this started. Western Ranch is where it got good. And now we're on the downside of this roller coaster. Joe and I are on the outs, clearly at this point. Me having no idea that Eric was shitting all over my situation. Here I am. I'm doing my best. I'm not saying I'm doing well for this kid. I'm I'm obviously not. But I was trying. I was trying for the betterment of his life. So we get set up in Manteca. I live between two guys, Tony and Adam. When you go up the stairs, there's stairs to the apartment, either the, the left or the right side. Okay. So at the top of the right stairs was Adam. Then there was my apartment. And then there was Tony's. Now, Adam was just a stoner. Cool dude. He worked, but man, this guy smoked a lot of weed. And now Tony fancied himself a bit of a dope dealer. Okay, cool, right? This might work out. And it did for me in a way that it kind of forced my hand because the usual meetups that I was having with my people, with Bear and the team. Now, mind you, this was fizzling out and... I just wasn't paying attention because the interesting thing about being all fucked up on dope is that you don't notice what's going on around you because you're just in the moment partying, having a good time. The day that I went to go meet my contact and do the exchange of, of money and drugs, nobody showed up. And it's not the first time that something had come up where we had to kind of reschedule and, and, you know, send message, Hey, let's try this again. You just never know what the surroundings are going to be and whether or not you want to try to pull off this trade. But sending word, let's redo this, let's try again to meet up, it it didn't get us anywhere. And my guy just never showed up. Being the resourceful person that I am and being the resourceful person you have to be in, in any situation, Right. If if your your situation changes, you have to pivot, you have to adjust, you have to keep moving. Right. So if you do nothing, you make no money, you lose all your credibility, you lose your your brand loyalty, so to speak. While I waited to get word back, this guy Tony was able to set me up with and we're backpedaling here with, with some some clean crank or or standard meth but it wasn't to the grade of of ice that i had grown accustomed to nor were my people accustomed to so i had a couple of options here right i had access to this from tony or i could reverse engineer everything i had turned over to other people which means i got to go hunt down okay can i get my veteran can i get this can i get that and do i really want to go back to manufacturing this shit and i don't I don't. That was a quick decision. This wasn't like I pondered and molded over for some time. I was like, no, nope, fuck that. That's the, I, I worked my way out of that trench. So my only option was, was to go back to clean and dope. At least just to keep the wheels turning. 
And that worked out for, for me for a while. Okay. It kept people happy. It, it kept things flowing. You know, I would check on the ranch every now and then. I would make sure that what was happening there stayed happening. But now that I'm in this new area, I'm back in Manteca. I'm starting to meet new people. I got this Tony and Adam, and we're kind of crewed up now. And shortly after us kind of finding a groove, all of my people, my solid people in Western Ranch, they stayed with me. But a lot of people started falling off. Eric started being homeless and that would worry me. And, and when he would come home, I'd get on him like, bro, what? And he started throwing back in my face. Well, you're this kind of person and you do this and you do that. And that hurt, right? Like here I am, I'm doing my best. It's not like I, I presented myself as anything other than what I was to him. He knew who I was. He knew what I did, but he knew what I was trying to accomplish for him. And, you know, I should have listened when I went to the swap meet one day out in Stockton. I had a guy up there where he had a booth and he he sold a lot of stereo equipment. That was that was what he sold off. And he and I built up a relationship and I would tell him, you know, exactly what it is I wanted because his goal was kind of knockoff shit. But I wanted better stuff and 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 I wanted to pay his prices. So. We were walking around this swap meet one day, and I'm waiting for him to get all my shit together for whatever stereo system I'm putting together now. And between two of the stands, there was this little lady, and I'm talking about, like, between some pop-up tents, there was probably a six-foot gap, maybe. And there was this little Hispanic lady. And we kept walking by, Cindy, Eric, and I kept walking by, and she was staring at me, and I was like, oh, this is this is weird. Walk by again, and she waves to me, and I'm like, hi, and keep moving. And a third time we walk by, because I'm just waiting for a guy to get my shit together, but he's pretty busy handling his business with the people that were there. And she waves me over to sit down, and I just kind of, no, thank you. And finally, the fourth time, she points at me and points at the table and tells me to sit down. And I'm like, all right, I got time to waste. Let's check this out. And Eric stands, so I sit down, Cindy sits to my right, and she points at Eric, and she goes, you go. And uh, she begins to tell me that he's dangerous for me. He's no good. He wishes me ill will. And I was like, no way, man. I'm doing this kid right. I'm taking care of him. And she starts in on this story. You have a curse on you. People wish death on you. And I'm like, yeah, well, that's that tracks. But she insisted that Eric needed to go away and I needed to get away from him. And I was like, no, nah, here we go with this bullshit. And this lady tells me uh, she can lift the curse. And then I'm like, all right, so what do we do? How much is it going to cost me, right? And she goes, no, 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 here. And she writes me a list of all these things she needs to break this curse. And I'm looking at this list, and it's cleaning things and this and that. I'm like, bitch, I'm not going to go do your house shopping for you because you told me I have a curse and I'm buying into it. She uh she writes her address on the bottom of this fucking list for the store, and I go about my business. We leave. Thank you, lady. I'm going to go. We go get my stereo stuff, and we put it in the car, and we leave that day, and it just so happened this address she gave me wasn't far from the swap meet area. So we drive past the house. It's lights, and it's lit up, and I'm like, all right. You know, it's a little rundown. Yeah, I'm not buying all this lady's fucking groceries, dude. I'm not doing that. But something drove me back past that place a few days later. 
And as we were approaching the place, I, I think I might have been with Tony at the time. We may, in fact, have been going back to get more stereo equipment for Tony, actually. But it couldn't have been more than four or five days later. And that house was completely boarded up. And it had a fence around it. And it was like condemned or it, it had looked like, hey, we're going to tear this down like that, that vibe. Not the house I drove past just a few days prior that lights were on and was not boarded up. No fence. None of that shit. I thought, huh, that's weird. And then I just kept it moving. Well, first of all, that's not the first nor the last time some weird like supernatural style stuff has happened to me, but I'm not paying attention to this stuff. I, I, I give it no merit, but I should have listened because while I'm trying to do my best by this kid, he's intentionally behind me tearing it down because Joe is feeding him the dope that he wants. Joe has this kid back to robbing people for shit. He's got this kid Back to living that life that he had grown accustomed to. And he convinced Eric that I was only adopting him for the money we get for the state and didn't have his best interests at heart and, and all this stuff. And, and now that Eric's back to being high, he just bought it hook, line and sinker. And that breaks my heart, man, because not too long after that little lady told me that he wishes ill by me and, and he was bad. Cindy and I came home. And this little fucker had robbed me blind. He took the same shit he takes out of houses he normally robs. He took all the electronics, my gaming systems, you know, whatever little money I might have left around there that he had access to, and all the dope that I had in my house. This little motherfucker. I didn't want to believe it. I, I like, insist. I started blaming anybody and everybody else. Not for one second did I think that Eric would do that to me. Like I knew things were rough and I knew that he was behaving a certain way, but he was also like 16 at the time, right? I have a teenager now. He doesn't behave too far off. You know what I mean? Like if you've got a teenager, you know what I'm talking about. They kind of are assholes. And so I just talked it up to that and figured it was something we were going to work through. And he had been gone a couple days and it's when I had to accept that he was the one that had done this. I knew who had done it. And I needed to go find out. So I drove out to Joe's house. Now, it had been a while since I had been out to the ranch, at least that deep in the ranch by this point. And I pulled up in front of Joe's house and fucking Troy is standing on the side yard, which is, you know, for anybody that was coming and actually got to go to Joe's to grab the dope, he had them come in the side yard to his bedroom window and do whatever exchanges they were doing. And I sat in the car I saw Troy, I saw Eric, and man, I, I knew what the fuck was going on, and my heart broke in that moment. And now Troy, Troy wanted to get hype, right? Like, he wanted to act like he was going to do something. I'm sitting in the car, and I'll never forget, Troy reared back like he was going to punch me through the window. And man, I'm not going to lie, I flinched. That killed, man, I, I flinched, man. God damn, like a little bitch, I flinched. It's funny, of that whole scenario, of Eric being there, of Troy having flipped on me, of the whole thing, the, my biggest takeaway was, God damn it, I flinched. 
but I knew in that moment that things were bad. And so I just left. I, I didn't need to ask any questions. I, I knew everything I needed to know. In typical fashion, Joe never came out. You know, Eric was standing by the fence. Troy was by the car. Joe's sorry ass never came out of the house. So I left. I went back to the apartment and Cindy and I just kind of sat there and absorbed what it is that had happened. That was a tough, tough pill to swallow, you know, because ultimately what had wound up happening is Eric was running around to the people that I was taking care of and he was hooking them up with fucking Joe's dope because Joe adopted my business model, right? And just would send Eric out to get everybody high, knowing that it would reel them back in. It was like he was fishing, right? And he was just reeling them in one by one. I half wonder now, looking back, if Joe had anything to do with my contact never showing up. Now, mind you, I, I never heard that anybody got arrested. I never heard that anybody turned on me, at least on, on that side. But why didn't my guy show up? It took a few weeks, but word got back to me that we were to just lay low and stay quiet. Well, I, I don't know if you can tell by anything we've discussed so far, but but staying low kind of isn't my vibe. Like quiet, like I'm not going to speak on anybody, but mm, I'm, I'm sort of in this for the attention, you know, so I can only get so quiet. That's not what be quiet meant from them, which is fine. Because again, like I said, I'm not speaking on anybody, but you know, laying low, I could have used that word a lot sooner than I got it because here I am just rebuilding out in Antigua when I probably should have just looked into that crystal ball I wish I had and maybe just got a job and may maybe just tried to take care of my girl the way she deserved to be taken care of. You know, now, I, don't get me wrong, she didn't mind the money and the shopping and the partying and the hanging out, but that, that wasn't being a good man. Nor was I being a good father figure to Eric. For a long time, I was mad at Eric. You know, how dare you do me like that? You're in my house. I I, I, I could have not spent the money on either of these apartments, right? I, I could have just stayed running around like a crazy person. And I'd have been fine with it. But I made these changes to better his life. And he's behind me just tearing it down. And he's listening to people that do not have his best interest at heart. I really needed that crystal ball. So we're getting comfy in our Mantica apartment and resetting life. But Tony, Tony was kind of a hothead. He was a uh, kind of a dipshit. I mean, he didn't hide the fact like when he saw me doing better than him with the dope I was getting from him and he didn't like it. And, and he was kind of open about it. And he was like, hey, man, you need to calm down. My people aren't super keen on selling this much. Well, who the fuck's not keen on selling a bunch of fucking dope? Like, that's weird. And that was just his way of saying, you know, hey, you're you're doing more than me and, and it needs to calm down. And I didn't listen to that shit. You know, we would just post up in our apartments and. It was a nice time, you know, the weather was beautiful. Of course, it's California. It's always fucking beautiful, right? So the three of us would sit with our doors open, and we all had each other's backs. 
you know, we made sure that Adam got his weed. If we needed weed, we went to Adam, you know, and if, if somebody needed dope and, uh, you know, Tony and I both had it, he took care of his people. I took care of mine. There was an understanding there, which is cool. Hell, I even had how down I am for my neighbors tested on me when Tony showed up in my apartment. And he comes walking in, he's got his phone, and he looks all frazzled. And he's like, man, tell this bitch something. Now, I was good with words. I was good, good with shit talking, okay? I could tear you down. I could find that thing about you that you dislike the most. I'd point it out, and I'd drill in on it. And because I was real good at shit talking, he hands me the phone, and I'm like, what What happened? And he's like, man, she's just talking shit. She fucking won't quit tripping. So I get on the phone, and I'm like, hey. And she starts saying something, and I just laid into this chick. And I mean, I fucking, like on a four or five minute beratement, I just lit her up. You're a piece of shit. Fuck you. Fuck everybody you know. You ain't shit. You ain't never been shit. So on. Like, I really tore this chick down. I'm sending my boyfriend. Fucking send him. Send that motherfucker. You got my address? I'm right here. And she hangs up. You know, before she hung up, I heard her man in the, what, what's he saying? What's he saying? I said, just give him the address. Tell him to get here. After I hang up the phone, I'm like, hey, man, why was I yelling at that chick? He's like, oh, I, I traded her some dope for a, a DVD VCR combo. Now, I, I realize that that kind of dates this situation here because <laughs> I don't even know if they sell that. I'm sure they do. But who the fuck a DVD VCR combo? And the way I understand it, I think he traded her like a gram for it and and gave her half. And then when he got home, he was going to test it. As long as it worked, he'd give her the other half. And according to him, it didn't work. And she was like, no, motherfucker, it worked when it left my house. So whatever. This, this is the scenario we're in. Over a gram of dope. And my shit talking, of course. So we're like, fuck it. Let's see if they show up. So we leave our doors open and we wait. Anything that, that had to do with getting physical, I, I, I always had this, like, forethought. I, I had this stick. It was probably 18 to 24 inches long. And because I did telecom install for a long time when I was younger, um, I had a whole bunch of, like, 50-pair computer wire, okay, which is probably a half inch thick piece of wire. But I would cut these and put three or four together and then use two rolls of duct tape then I would have this stick that I could like whoop the shit out of people with. But equally, I would slice down the whole thing and open it up and discard the tape because your bruises would not match these little 50 pair of wires that are sitting here. Yeah, that's that's the kind of sick I was at this time. I also had this cool metal pipe. It's probably an inch or three quarters of an inch across. And at the end is a bolt. Now, that's just a, a visual for you. It's it's probably, in, again, an 18 to 24-inch piece of pipe with a bolt at the top. But what this was, it was all one piece, and it was used to temper molten items so, so that you could put this in whatever is crazy hot, right? You would put this piece in it, and then you would put the thermometer down inside of it so that it didn't damage the thermometer. But nonetheless, I had a pipe with a bolt on the end of it. And these were my tools. These were my tools of the trade. We got tired of waiting for these guys. I had all these things kind of sitting in my front room, just waiting for it to jump off. And when, you know, Tony goes back to his place and Adam goes back to his. And that's when these fucking guys show up. This dude and some, I don't know. I, I, it turned out it was his brother. But uh, they 
blew right past my place and I was like, oh, it's on. And they go banging on Tony's door and they won't come out. But both of them. Now, when you go past my apartment, Tony's apartment like protruded by probably six feet past mine. So you would like walk to the end of my apartment, make a left for six feet. And then the walkway continued. Well, this guy's brother was kind of hiding in that six foot spot so that Tony didn't see him. I saw him. So this guy's banging on Tony's door. Tony ain't coming out. I'm like, fuck, bro. So I picked up the pipe with the bolt on the end of it, and I ran out. And I took a swing, and I went to hit his brother over the back of the head with it. And for a split second, I realized, you're going to kill this guy. And so I backed off on my swing, and maybe I shouldn't have. I, I don't know. But I hit this dude. Bah! And he goes down, and he's all woozy, and his brother comes flying over him and hits me. Oh, I take one to the chin and I'm like, oh, here we go. At this point, now that I've drawn both of these guys' attention, Tony comes out. And now Tony and the this this chick's man are now kind of getting at it. But I'm a little dazed from taking the shot from this chick's boyfriend, which gives his brother, I guess it was, chance to get up. And I was backing up and Adam was coming to help too and kind of got in my way and I stumbled a bit. And that's when this dude grabbed my shirt and pulled it over my head and just started fucking wailing on me in the head. It wasn't like ringing any bells or anything, but I was taking some shots. I couldn't get my shirt off of my head. The next thing I know, the dude just stops. Well, Cindy had this little blade that I gave her to protect herself, right? And this dude was swinging at her, swinging at me. The whole thing. And apparently she took a swipe of the guy with this blade and it scared him off. And I don't know who picked it up, but she had wound up dropping it. And I don't, I don't know who picked it up. This dude wound up taking three shots to the ribs with this blade. Cindy was trying to get my shirt, help me get it off the top of my head so we could finish this thing. But the next thing you know, this guy is holding his side. He's walking off. There's fucking blood everywhere. You know, now, mind you, there's one, two, three, four, five. There's six people because Tony had somebody over. There's six people in this very small fucking balcony thing for our apartments. I don't know who picked that thing up, but that dude got served up. So I bust out like, ha, I'm free. And I'm like, oh, this is over. What's going on? And off these guys go. And I'm thinking, oh, shit, man, that's that's a lot of blood. Nobody's talking about who may or may not have stuck this guy. And what's interesting is nobody asked. It just had happened. Well, my guess is we should prepare for these guys to come back because uh, they just took a fucking whooping. I mean, that's what you get, man. When you go to somebody else's place to go fight, you're going into unknown territory. You do not have the advantage. And they learned that day. So that's how I got tested, whether or not I'm down for mine, right? Like, I got to back up my shit talking. Again, Till I'm blue in the face, dude, I was not raised in a violent atmosphere. I, I don't have a violent bone in my body, but that doesn't mean I won't get there. I, I will if I have to. But to me, if I got to close my fist at you, if it's not worth killing you, it's not worth dealing with. You see so many things online now of people getting in fights over some dumb shit. And then guess what? You go to jail for assault. Over what? Get your shoes stepped on. Somebody hurt your feelings. 
that's not the world I play in. My feelings don't get hurt. You talk all the shit you want about me. I don't mind. But if it's defending my life or the people that I love, you might have to die. So now there's no no Eric. I've now clubbed some dude over the head with a with a pipe. It wasn't enough to bring him down. So I mean, I'm not I'm not a horrible horrible person. But don't, you know, he showed up here. I'm back to cleaning dope. I mean, this was a fast. This was the you know that first drop on the roller coaster. Man is is a steep drop. It's an interesting analogy for this point too, because it's that steep drop that's a ton of fun, right? That first whoosh. That's the most fun on the roller coaster. And after that, you never get back up to that highest point. But there's twists and there's turns and there's ups and there's downs. And man, the twists and the turns that come. Oh, you guys. It's it's always interesting to have hindsight, you know, and be able to make an analogy to the roller coaster because it's so fitting. But now I look back and I see the way I could have done this better. I could have been better. It was just so much fun. It appeared to be so much fun. I hope you're enjoying listening to my antics. And I appreciate the fact that you're listening. I truly do. And if you ever feel so inclined, please reach out. My Madness Method 819 at gmail.com or at my madness method on Instagram. I'm working on some other ways of contact, but I'd love to hear from you. Stick with me because the loops and the twists and the turns of this roller coaster are coming. My name is Jason Farias, and this is my madness method. I swim too quickly because big waves are hard to jump over. It are sweet, not sickly. You don't taste like nothing when I'm sober. And I already want to die.